Get in, loser. We're going adventuring. Hi, this is Daphne, your friendly audience surrogate. We started this adventure with Charles, the mechanical Turk, coming to next to Rosalind in a sealed underground cave. They work together to escape, but there's a hitch. Charles is a loyal government agent, while Rosalind is worried that he will bring her in for being an unauthorized super. They were both astonished to find that the reason they were in the cave in the first place was that they'd been thrown clear of a nuclear ballast that hit and devastated the local area. This isn't entirely new. The grey goo was contained with nukes, but it's a startling development nonetheless. We now return to the adventure, already in progress. So you have emerged from a pit into, like, the Im- very image itself of... Bashian hell. Well, just something horrible. Just something absolutely, completely horrible, yes. All right, so um, is there... So there are vehicles around. Do any of them look functional? Probably. Uh, basically, there were, like, one or two, like, Jeeps on the outliers. There's also probably some people that aren't, you know, completely dead at this point, right? But it looks like... It looks like they were deployed, and it pretty much just dropped on them. Right. And the rest of them kind of fell back afterwards. I guess that is the thing. Is I am, I am going to... I, I, you know, I, I did mention you know, we, mm-hmm. we need to get out of here. There's radiation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and oh. I think we, we both came to that realization at the same time. Yes. And, and um, I say something like, hey, I, I don't know how you hold up with radiation. I, I can do this for a while, but it's not a good idea. I, I got to be honest. So this is a pause. That is the first overtly... Like, this person is not a regular person thing that she said. This person is definitely not fully human, right? She's transhuman or super or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I and that triggers that, but... some memories. Okay, fair. Okay, and then, and then secondly, as, as you process the horror, Robin, that triggers some memories. So we're going to do one at a time. Who wants to go first? We'll let Robin go first. All right. Excellent. Robin. Oh, God, this is your fault. Oh. At least you think it is. Maybe it is. You don't know. So that's enough to stop me in my tracks for a minute. So you now remember that shortly after you were um, going, you know, like on the road with Ramirez, you got yep. reports through your contacts that there was some kind of really weird Legionnaires disease that had hit a small town in northeastern Utah, not incredibly far from where you had stopped one of the new pipelines. How so long there were ago? a bunch of pipelines. What's that? How long ago? How long, how long did you stop the pipeline? Yeah, what was the time interval? Uh, two months. Um, two months since the last time you did something like this. Yeah, okay. So there were um, there were a bunch of pipelines, I, I did do research for this, that went wow. from some of the oil and shale fields uh, in northeastern Utah that went to Salt Lake City, and those are not as useful as they used to be. Uh, so uh, there, there were like movements to go ahead. Why is that? Thank you, Joe. <laughs> what was that? I want to know why they were not as useful. Ah. Salt Lake City is clearly a large population. Center. Exactly. Why? Well, why would you not just ship oil there? Clearly. Maybe they'd sucked all the oil out of the ground already. That must be it. Ah. Maybe the Mormons are, are particularly interested in climate change mitigation. We, we sent all the residents of Salt Lake City to a uh, farm upstate. 
Actually, there. that's true. The, they, the population of Salt Lake City is substantially smaller than it used to be. That's right. Unless you count they, the nanobots. They live on a farm upstate with other Mormons. Yeah. <laughs> they run and play all day. Play. <laughs> they don't get mail. <laughs> they don't have phones. It's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but this is this is gonna be this is gonna be gold in Bhutan. That's right. Yeah. They, they, they love Mormon jokes in Bhutan. <laughs> That's just gangbusters. <laughs> so it was just enough like it, right? That you needed to go check it out, right? And uh, you had actually just gotten again. It's hazy still, like, but you've got like most of this day back. But you, you definitely remember that you had gotten there and, and had started talking to some people. And then, like, the military had moved in. And then also, like, and it's, and then Charles was in there somewhere, but you're still unclear as to, like, whether it was you first, him first. But you're pretty sure it was the military last. Mm. So, Charles. Yes. All right. Now that she has revealed that she is a super, you uh, you remember that you were sent... I most certainly have not. She, she, she alluded to... You said that, that you were good, could... good at handling radiation. Yeah, that, that's... Uh, and considering you're, you're not wearing a hazmat suit, you're just chilling out in your Doc Martens... <laughs> My lead line, Doc Martens. Thank I've, you I've, very much. I, I, I think, strategically torn shirt and cargo shorts. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think my 20 intelligence can put two and two together. I, I just took a pretty major psychological hit. I'm letting slip all sorts of things I shouldn't. <laughs> I think that's very reasonable. Yeah. yeah, you're sitting down. You're like, oh man, there's a lot going on and it's all terrible, yeah. right? It's, take... it's, all, it's all bad. But you do not remember away. anybody dropping a goddamn tack nuke. That is something you don't remember. Unless it's an unforeseen uh, you know, new power you have. <laughs> <laughs> Summon Tack Nuke. Yeah. Summon Tack Nuke half a mile away. It's a good I'm trick. A, I mean, if you're going to summon a Tack Nuke, you, yeah, you don't want to summon it too to close. It. Yeah. Right. I assume it's been more than five seconds, so I'm going to take a recovery. Absolutely. <laughs> take a recovery. You're killing me. So, um, if it's if it's been an hour, if it's been an hour actual time, I've got some body back. I've got healing. Yes. I get two body back per hour. That is correct. And and, and do do count that you are getting the body back. Yeah. Uh, you do, however, lose one to radiation. Well, that sucks. But you're you're gonna net one body per per hour in this right in this fashion. As long as I'm standing around in the hot zone, contemplating my life choices. You you just happen to have power specific to repairing DNA, so it's convenient. And, and I don't have much DNA left, so we're good. <laughs> Everybody wins. Except Ramirez, but he's a rat. But you bring up a good point, which is Ramirez is probably the most vulnerable of the three of you. Yeah. That's really funny. So, um, Joe, you remember that Charles had been sent here on a, on a similar mission, that Professor Akbar, and I want to emphasize, like, Charles has just been kind of busy. Like, he's a, he's a really useful skill set, right? He's hard to injure. He's in one place. He's a very competent human, right? right? So whenever there's, like, a bad fire, right, or, like, an oil rig has problems, or... There's, or there, there's a cat that's gone up a tree. Yeah. Right, exactly, because he can jump that high, right? Yeah, that, that didn't work out very well, though, because, <laughs> yeah. you know, the branch I, broke. I, I, and... I accidentally crushed the cat. <laughs> yeah. It, it, was, it was just... Brought down the tree, knocked cried. a hole in the roof. Yeah, the po- but the postmortem was actually very valuable for determining where Charles should go going forward. That was actually exactly. lessons learned. I, I've now I've now fine tuned my cat grabbing. Right. <laughs> I don't know if I'm quite <laughs> calibrated have... for rat though. So do, do you have a special like... cat grabbing multi tool? No, no. It's just just the amount of exact amount of pressure to not mm. actually destroy a cat. Very nice. Into a into a pulpy mass. I want to thank on behalf of our entire podcast listening audience. <laughs> I want to take a moment to thank Joe for that image. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate the sea and everything in it. 
Okay. So he had been sent by, but among the many things he has done is he was sent by Professor Akbar to check out this um, weird, like, new virus thing that had emerged in this small town in, east, in northeastern Utah. The theory being that no matter what, he wasn't going to get sick, one. And the, the secondary theory being, you know, anything deeply weird, you send one of the guys out to check out because you never know. Okay. So I, I was sent by myself? I was not sent with a battalion? Yeah, that is correct. You were, you were sent to do, just go check it out. Do I have any recollection of where this battalion came from? You don't, actually. The battalion was not you. Okay. Um, and, and these are definitely U.S. military. These are not like the, you know, major butthurt dudes. That's absolutely correct. They're absolutely not the, the black hawk people. And there's also just too many of them. Yeah. The other thing that, okay, now that you've had a chance to look at it, somewhat, the survivors have definitely cleared the injured and gone away. Okay, so everyone, that, that, that's, I was, I was going to yeah. get to A, finding a vehicle, and B, making sure there are no survivors. That, and that, that would be a very reasonable and appropriate thing to do. And it turns out, yeah, now that you're looking at it, again, with a, with a trained, trained person's eye, like, of course, it, they didn't kill everybody, like, because they weren't all in one big clump. Right. Because that's not how that's not that how, works, right? Yeah. That's, that's not how modern armies function. And so something hit, like, right near where most of them were, and then the survivors cleared everybody out. And now the area is full of radiation, right? So they, they bailed. Yeah, and, and they're not they're not staying in contact. They're not staying local because the area is full of radiation. So that that story makes sense. You're like in the lull between when people like are left because they were injured and, and handling problems, and when somebody who has enough like lead shielding around their vehicle can show up and keep track of the space. The, the triage crew has come through, or or just the, or just the people that were less injured and still had functioning vehicles, like collected mm-hmm. people that needed to be collected and got the hell out. Okay. But you were sent here, and you have a memory that, like, you had kind of figured out that she was somehow connected to this thing, but you do not remember. And then you remember, like, the battalion blew into town, and you and you got you got a call from Akbar telling you to clear out. Right. Okay. File away. So both of you are just like you know, like Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild style, like going through your own little cutscenes. Right. You remember something? <laughs> who's who's cuts whose cutscene ends first? I'm going to say Charles is because his is less emotionally wrenching. Right. Like, like something bad and, happened in Charles' thing, but she liked, like, something like bad happened, but it was her fault. And I, and I can actually click through my cutscene. Yeah. You, well, got no, it, no, but it, it's just it, a shorter cutscene. Yeah, scene. I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah I'm done. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I got the gist. So Charles kind of emerges first, and, and, and he sees that um, Rosalind is, is still, like, grinding through, you know, trauma. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I should bring her back with me. Seems likely. Um, but I'm not going to say that I mean, out could, loud. Ha- having saved me from an underground cave, you could leave me alone on a radioactive battlefield full of dead people, but it doesn't really yeah. seem in it, character. It, it, it seems like, yeah, it seems like I should uh, go that extra mile. <laughs> and as Charles begins as, as Charles begins to like kind of think that, Rosalind realizes that she is in the presence of someone who could totally bring her in if he wanted to. And the two of you probably need to have a conversation. We'll get there. I'm going to look for a vehicle that's it's still functional. So it's basically Charles is kind of like looking in, looking in windows, looking for you know keys. Right. So most stuff that's around, there's nothing near you. You're, you're talking like at least a couple hundred yards to get yeah. away. Um, the EMP is probably you, trashed electronics in vehicles too. Sure, but some of the stuff's hardened, right? Like some of the oh, yeah, stuff okay. are designed to handle these things. And then like it's an internal combustion. A diesel engine actually doesn't need a ton. Like a internal combustion engine like needs the spark plugs and stuff. So it's like good luck whether or not the spark plug lived through it because it might, right? It's pretty simple. 
But the diesel engine, once you get it rolling, like it's self it's self-sustaining. So you don't have to harden a bunch of stuff. It might work just fine. Well, actually, the, you don't get a radio, but the EMP should not affect the spark plug, but it will affect all of the little electronics that every modern engine has. Right. But um, you but you might be able to get like again for a diesel, right? You might get like some kind of shitty version of the engine to go such that you could drive you know ten yeah. fifteen miles an hour and get the hell out of here. And that's certainly my goal. And and I'll, I'll I will articulate that as like you know we need to get out of here. Let's go check out the vehicles and see if one of them is is functional. Okay, and that brings you back to yourself. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna head off in the opposite direction from Charles, and I'm also checking over Ramirez to see what kind of uh, injuries he's taken on because. At the beginning, there was a hint of that. Okay. So Ramirez was blown clear. Mm-hmm. And uh, what you thought was singed was, in fact, just dirt. Outstanding. So, so he is fine. Like it, Apparently, he spent all his heroic action points on the dodge. All right. That said, so the, the way this is laid out is, like, you come out of this pit, there's nothing in, like, 270 degrees of arc. It's just more desert. What you're seeing is, like, the, the remains of the battlefield... And now that you look at it, of course, it's been picked over, right? Because everybody who had a car or something that worked drove off. Now, there might be something that got knocked over that they, they couldn't easily write. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That Charles may have a, an advantage on that one. Yeah. Certainly my hope. But it, nothing ob- is obviously still there. But if, if you, if you want to like go in opposite directions, like that's not hard. It's just that there's no way to hide that as searching. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> She would be like, okay, well, best of luck with that. I'm yeah, going to flee. I'm That's what we're going go to do. Walk off into the desert really quickly. Yeah. Right. So, uh, and of course, the, the, does she try to do that is the question. No, she's going to ostensibly look at vehicles because they, they, that really seems pretty futile. Um, meanwhile, though, she's, she's like, Ramirez, what's this guy got on this? Uh, in, in the back and forth. And mm-hmm. Ramirez is like, I don't think he needs to have anything. It, like does does he does he know that this was something I might have done? Okay, wait. Um, I don't think that. I I, I think we're thinking, looking at this the wrong way. Um, I think the thing is is that uh, he can do whatever he wants because he's made of metal, and we're next to him, and so it, it's not really about what he has or doesn't have. I don't think we can fool him that way. I I, I think you're pretty boned. Is actually where I'm going with this. I, I don't know a good answer for this one. If he wants to disappear, as he can. There's nobody here. If he wants to kill us, he can. This is terrible. So no, but but why? I mean, what what is what what does he know? Does he does he have does he have reason to do that? When the tack nuke hit, Mira says, and like you can hear him kind of relax when he said tack nuke, right? Right. Like like he, now now you can say it. Yeah. He was trying to get us away. Like he was trying to like we we were trying to clear the area. I don't know why. Did he say anything? He's not a talkie. I've, I've noticed that. I mean, he's not, he's not a, I don't think he's a bad guy. I just, you know. <laughs> hey, he trails off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think, I think we have to have this out because, uh, yeah, I think there's nothing else to do. So I stop like fake hunting through wrecked cars and stuff and go over to where Charles is, I don't know, dicking around so- with an ATV. Yeah, he's, he's like reaching in to see if it'll turn over, and if it will, then he'll turn it over, if, that, if you know what I'm saying. So to speak. Uh, yeah, no luck yet, so go ahead. Uh, the search proceeds at the, spe- at the speed of plot. So are you remembering more about what brought you here? 
Okay, like that's a really loaded question, right? <laughs> Pause. <laughs> this is going to be an awkward conversation, no matter how it starts. So let's just get it started. <laughs> and, and Charles is, you know, without without looking at her, he's still kind of you know, reaching into cars and looking around and not making eye contact. He's like, eh, a few things are coming back to me. He says like ridiculously casually, such that he's he's clearly like conspicuously terrible. yes, okay. He, he's clearly terrible at lying. So. Mm-hmm. Any idea who dropped the Technic? Uh, I do not know. So let's go ahead and roll. I'm going to have you two roll a um, a presence attack against the other. Okay. And the one that does better gets to drive a little more of the conversation. Okay. Uh, and that's nine plus presence. Well, I got a jolly old 14, which is uh, my presence is 12. Mm. My presence attack would be 12. So I rolled... Um, just, just for the people at home, uh, the way you do a presence attack is you roll one d six for every five points you have in presence, right? Oh, oh. Uh, yeah, you don't target it. You just you you oh. you you are like impressive or intimidating. Okay. Oh then yeah, I, right. Okay. Ironically, I rolled the exact number. Well, not ironically, but I appropriately rolled. Wow, the exact that's ironic. Yeah. I've got. It's three... like a steel. Fl- it's a steel thigh when your leg just got played. Oh wait, so that's I, something else. That's why. So I rolled. I rolled two fours and a six. Is that like this is like body damage? Uh, it, it's against her ego. Okay. I've got three point five d six for my presence attack according to my sheet. That's correct. So you roll three. So six, I roll three, and then, and then roll I roll one, one and cut, and then divide it in. And then roll it. Roll as a one. Oh, one d three. Okay, got it. Okay, so with that one, I rolled a four, so that would be the equivalent of a two. Right. So okay, wow, mm, that sucks. My total's ten. Okay, so Robin, what did you roll? I rolled a ten. Total, and then what? Is, what is Joe's ego? My what is uh, Charles's ego? ego? Okay, so Robin's at minus five, and then Joe, what did you roll? I rolled a I rolled a fourteen. Okay, and then Robin, what is uh, Robin's ego? Uh, fifteen. Okay, so um, neither of you managed to actually meaningfully intimidate or impress the other because both of you are pretty impressive and both of you have like very strong motivations, but because Joe is made of metal and like picking up a car. Uh, it it and, just and gives him whistling while a little it. more leverage in the conversation. Like he's just a little ahead in the in in the back and forth. And so that the other so thing just, is, just he's, you can play that. he's like in, he's engaged in doing something that's probably actually pretty like comforting to him, which is screwing around with engines. Yeah, and solving a problem. Absolutely. Right. So uh, so Charles Whereas is, Rosalind is just like a hundred percent awkward all the time right now. Yeah. So what I would say with this conversation is that like if the two of you are a little stuck, just go ahead and let Charles be ahead. Is how I want to interpret the the die rolls for role playing purposes. Yeah. Isn't that a really nice use of the role playing system to solve a interpersonal <laughs> problem? I'm very proud of myself for that. <laughs> I can hear the padding on the back from all the way over here. So so Charles, as he's he's casually just you know futzing around with cars, like so, so what can you do? He just kind of throws it out there. I mean, you've seen what I can do. What can I? What, what is your what is your deal? And Rosalind like is enough uh, off balance that she's going to give him at least a partially correct answer. Yeah, I. I can heal myself fast. Oh. She's like Wolverine? That's uh, X-Men, right? Yes. I used to read comic books. I don't know. He's, he's the guy with the claws. Yes. I'm not saying you have claws. I don't have claws. Okay. She got a rat. <laughs> Ramirez has claws. They're, they're not those big metal ones. No, wait. That's can the I, guy in uh, Friday the 13th. Can I call a quick pause? Joe, can you turn down the gain on your mic just a hair? Okay. So, claws. Yeah. Okay. So I was just trying to get us out of here. Where uh, where's home for you? 
Home is Salt Lake City. Is or was? That was an intense question. <sighs> Doesn't feel like home anymore, does it? No. No, no, but uh, I came out here from uh, New England a few years ago and fell in love with the mountains and the desert. Where, so, where in New England? I guess. He kind of, kind of perks up and he actually makes eye contact. Where in New England? Western Massachusetts. Oh, I'm from Utica. Just up the road. Mm-hmm. You miss the winter? No, I don't. <laughs> I might miss it even less now. Uh, I don't handle the cold very well. With and he kind of does a little knock on the top of his head, and it makes a little very metallic clanging sound. Wouldn't imagine you'd feel the cold. Mm. Interesting. You'd be surprised. He's completely lying because he has life support from extreme cold. Yes, like it could literally be launched into vacuum, and like it wouldn't be too bad. But, but it kind of seems like something that you should say just to make conversation. It, and it might be obvious to a dispassionate observer that yeah. he's, you know, awkwardly lying. Yeah. But she's really trying to make this conversation <laughs> continue. It is also kind of sweet, right? Because he super does not have to be nice to you. Mm. Mm-hmm. And and he's clearly just like telling a white lie to keep the conversation going, which you know, something he used to do with his wife. <laughs> Maybe it'll work on this transhuman. <laughs> so, what were you doing in this? I mean, this is out. This is the middle of nowhere. What were you doing in this part of Utah? Well, I heard there was some strange disease that infected some town, so I was investigating it. What were you doing in this area? And you feel kind of compelled to give him the outline. I had heard the name of the town sounded familiar. I was up here a couple of months ago. Okay. The background that, that Joe has, Joe, uh, that, that, sorry, that Charles has, Joe. Uh, Charles knew, like, just from his mission briefing, briefing that there had been uh, an attempt to build a pipeline out here that got stymied for some reason. Okay. A couple of months ago, stymied? And, yeah, that, that, that matches. <laughs> mumble, mumble. <laughs> Twist your feet and look down at the ground. <laughs> There's a lot of that going around. Yeah, I saw, I saw a story in a little local paper about people getting sick up this way, mm-hmm. and the name of the town looked familiar. I remembered I'd been up here in the spring, and I thought, well, maybe I should come up and mm. check out the camping. It kind of, kind of, kind of makes like a little hmm kind of sound. Very could be taken either way. A highly non-committal sort yeah, of. Just kind of do tell. All right, I'm going to call a quick pause. This is a good conversation. We're going to continue okay. it. Um. Basically, the two ways this goes is that either Charles brings uh, Rosalind in, or he keeps her as essentially a confidential informant. I, I, I'm I'm open to either, um, and you know, trouble right. with Charles and Joe. Uh, he's really yes. just kind of you know, we're not going anywhere until we get something in which to go. So he's just right. kind of. But that's like an hour long problem. I understand. So we're just kind of yeah. having a talk. Right, but also someone just dropped a tack nuke on this town. Uh-huh. Charles would probably like to know who that. Oh, I'm is. yeah. That that one problem at a time. Right, but <laughs> the, despite the fact that she is a super and this is actually his thing, and she may he may want to bring her yes. in. That's actually promoted, right? Yes. To the first thing. Okay. I so I, I wanted for Robin's sake, who's, who's not as familiar with the world, I wanted to have that conversation. Okay. So Robin, you're obviously trying. Rosalind is trying to look for a way that she does not have to get pulled, brought in. Yes. Like that is the worst thing. That that is yes. So what she is looking for is something Charles wants that ends with her not being brought in in this conversation. 
Does that, does that kind of work? Okay, yes. And I'm going to edit all that shit out so that you guys can go ahead and get there organically. Or not, right? Or she can fail, and then that will be a fun plot line. Well, next time we'll, we'll, we'll pick up with her having been brought in, and we'll, we'll do a thing. He did not edit that out. <laughs> I'm totally going to do it. <laughs> like <laughs> Dramatic foreshadowing! That's a thing that I'm going to do. Okay, so, uh, so yes. Yeah, so, I mean, anyway, we're, Charles' headspaces, there are multiple problems. All of them mm-hmm. can have progress played towards them with an operational vehicle. Yes. So, you know, once once we get the operational vehicle, if any, mm-hmm. yes. we'll decide which problem we're going to attack. But until then, it's like, I ain't walking. There's nowhere obvious to walk to. Right. Uh, this vehicle's not going to work. You guys go over to the next one. So now you're walking between vehicles, and you feel like you need to change. At, at, because you are moving, you feel a need to change something. So you do a lot of work with other talented people? Yeah, we, we have a bit of a team. And he kind of... Gives her the side eye. She's looking back skeptically. Well, if you're looking for something to do that would do good in the world, that's what we do. We just try to help people. Working for the U.S. government. The U.S. government cares about its people, contrary to popular belief. And he says that completely non-ironically. Yeah, like he, he has bought in. And not necessarily yeah. in like a stupid way, but in a, like, he has seen a bunch of things and on the balance... Yeah, there's been more, there's been a lot more good than bad. So I'm not saying I'm just saying the U.S. I. <sighs> so uh, again, just to illustrate the power dynamics. So personalized medicine is in the middle of a quandary here because she wants very much to be true to who she is, but also this is a very nice man. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Clearly lives his convictions. So she's desperate to find some kind of common ground rather than to, rather than to challenge him. Yeah. That that's I mean this yeah. This is not a place where going confrontational is is, yeah. is the right way to go. So, so Charles, you know, at some point is gonna be like, do you uh, do you remember anything about the blast? I don't remember anything about the blast. Hmm. Let me check in with Ramirez. Ramirez, do you remember anything about the blast? I remember us having a very heated argument. Well, you <laughs> having a very heated argument with Charles about. Uh, you know, I didn't follow, but you guys were very upset. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Charles just stopped and, like, took a phone call and was like, we have to go right now. Because the, the, the military thing, right? They changed their minds super fast? I don't know. And then, so you were running, and then he had you duck behind the hill, and then kaboom. Ramirez says that right before the blast, you got a phone call. Mm-hmm. And you said, we gotta go. And then you grabbed me, and we started running. Mm. I want to highlight the phrase Ramirez said. Yeah, uh, he's he's processing a couple of things at the moment, and mm-hmm. uh, you know Charles kind of kind of closes his eyes and he puts his fingers on his temple, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I say, "You speak to animals?" No. Then no, I talked I talked to Ramirez. Okay, is he not an animal? And he and he's like legitimately asking, "Is he not an animal?" Like, what are the rules of this yeah, game like, right now? Right. Explain this to me. No, he, he's, he's a rat. I mean, look at him. He's, he's a rat. But okay. he's... He, he's my rat. Okay. Well, not really. He's he's my associate. Okay. We're associates. <laughs> and you, you can see Ramirez has, like, fur kind of, like, calmed right, down. After right, right. got a little... Yeah. Hey, okay. Right, right. <laughs> so, I mean, Charles... I'm, I'm continuing to edit my statement in response to his response. <laughs> yes. Charles, having, having witnessed the 
full power of a, a fully operational Admiral Akbar um, yes. is not completely thrown by the concept of a, of a talking animal. Um, mm-hmm. But he is trying to wrap his head around the relationship. Like, the implication being that this isn't some person that got turned into a rat, but a rat that turned into a person? Or a brain? And he's just kind of... Is, is he saying this no, out loud? No, no, yeah, he's and, just kind of... What, what yeah. He's working through it in his head. He's just kind of like, yeah, okay. okay, so you, you, you talk to him and he talks to you. Yeah. Okay. And we, we work together. And, and Charles does say this out loud. He's like, this seems like something that should bother me more than it does. But it, <laughs> but it doesn't. So I'm going to roll with it. He says that out loud. Yes. It's like, I'm, I'm trying to learn. I have, I have an associate of mine who's who's a lot more, I guess, as he would say. And he kind of actually puts up his fingers to make little air quotey gestures. He says, chill. Um, and and I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. To be a little less uptight. Like, well, my ex-wife. And he says this out loud. My, my ex-wife always said I was too uptight. So I'm working on it. Seems like a, you know the acceptance of a talking blue rat is something that I should not be so uptight about. He just got, he has the demeanor of someone who's just kind of making conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just filling the, filling the air. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also, in some ways, this is unbelievably reassuring, right? Because he's obviously just some guy. Yeah. Who is good at some things and bad at some things. Mm-hmm. Well, the world is full of weirder things than it used to be. And mm-hmm. some of us have abilities that we didn't used to have and it could be a chance to change the world well that's 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 my view on this it could be a chance to make the world better i would like that very much but in the in the end we 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 do our job we we do the things that we uh we do best to make the things around us a little better for everyone when you when you have acquired new powers and new abilities, your job description can change. That's true. The things that you're capable of doing can change. And maybe they should change. So why why were you interested in this disease? Can you heal other people when you're looking to help? I can... I can sometimes affect other people. <laughs> my research was my research was in bioscience and mm. genetics. It seemed mm. like a situation that I could bring something to. Yeah, uh, Charles files away the use of the word "affect." That seems relevant, and he'll make a mental note of that. Well, here's another car. Rosalind protect and Rosalind attack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you find yourself possessing new powers, I believe 
it is incumbent on you to use them to make the world better. Okay. I think I think we have something we agree on. Maybe we can. I'm glad uh, to hear that. This car's no good either. You go to the next one. What are you well, doing to point. make the world better? Well, I'm trying to get you out of here. For one <laughs> I, and I sincerely appreciate it. Well, like I said, we, we, we have a team, and our team is full of people with abilities, and we are dispatched to make the world a better place. I Just, just the other day, there was an oil rig that uh, was in danger of exploding and leaking billions of millions of gallons of oil in the ocean, and I was able to stop that. I don't know, you might have heard about it. Uh, actually, she wouldn't have, because they totally covered it up. Oh, so I, I wouldn't I would have said that part. No, no, no like not, not in a horrible way, but it was like buried on page A12. Like, you know, there was a minor... Because it didn't actually cause... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like when, when, it, when, when a civil engineer notices that a bridge is about to collapse, shuts the bridge down, and has it repaired, that right. does not make the news. It's, it doesn't make the front page, yeah. yeah. Right. It makes A12. The bridge maintenance, yeah. Preventative maintenance successfully done on time! Yeah, exactly. Yes. 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 So, you know, so, little things like that. So someone tells you what to do. <laughs> um, I am pointed in a direction. I am, a, I am, and he kind of points to it, he points to his, his, um, you know, left breast where the, you know, his various, you know, his, his, his last name is Doranche, which is actually not spelled Doranche, it's D-O-G-A-N-C-A-Y. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have the the little uh... and it has little swatches on it. They actually are drawn in with marker because they don't nice. actually have the printed out. Like he actually drew them on himself. That's some <laughs> pride. Hey man, anyway, it matters. It matters who you are. It matters who you are. He's like mm-hmm. he's like I am. I am in the military, so yes, technically I take orders. But I'm I'm certainly given a significant, any pauses, amount of leeway. So I want to confirm that um, Rosalind understands what he's saying. So what Rosalind is taking that to mean is, if you join this group, this is not this is not a prison, and this is not you know taking narrow orders from a narrow-minded individual. That is one thing that he could be saying. There's something else he's also saying, which I think Rosalind would pick up on because she's a, a an interpersonal power-oriented person. Um, but you know what? I'll, Ramirez, Ramirez, like has like a Homer Simpson voice. He's like, I think he's talking to you. <laughs> I when I press won't. down on your foot and say hello, Mrs. Jones, Ms. Jones, I you smile he, and nod. I think he wants to give you, wants you to give him an excuse to let you go. Because he gets to decide ah. how to write the after-action report. What ah. does he want? I have a lot of money. What does he want? <laughs> wait, wait. One of those things doesn't seem like it should be a part of the conversation. He's a rat. <laughs> you should see his skills. <laughs> would, would said skills pay the bills? Oh my goodness, so many bills, all and, paid. And that, yeah, and, and more, yes. He, he's so rich, we had to buy it in points. <laughs> when he said he owned the van, he owns the van. He actually does own the van, yes. He wasn't messing with her. 
He's a shit driver, though. So is that what you want out of your career? So why is she so confrontational, just to ask? Because she wants to she's, understand him or because she's just un- unhappy? She wants to co-opt him. She she wants she wants him as a source. And she also would like she she likes to get into arguments and I think is trying trying out the idea of getting him to defect from his job and basically become a free agent. So I think she knows him well enough that that is not I mean he's wearing a military uniform. Yeah. This is his job. Yeah, that's that's a that's he's a lieutenant a colonel. He's yeah. he's kind of a career officer. And like yeah. and again, the the way I, what I likened it to was uh, she's talking to a homicide detective, right? Where whether or not you are super excited about the way police approach problem X, right? Mm-hmm. He's doing good work. This individual is yeah. And 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 he's made his peace with everything by saying, well, whatever else is going on, like. I make sure people who got killed, we find out what happened, right? Mm. That And that absolutely needs to happen no matter what. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah. So th- that's his, you know these people, they exist, and they're not horrible. They're yeah. just super not you. You can't there, there are There are plenty of corrupt cops that are, are, are beating up black people and dealing drugs and taking bribes and stuff. But there still need bad. to be cops, and there super need to be homicide cops. Yeah. Yeah. So what she would hope for in a conversation, I think is for him to take her as a source mm-hmm. and then to feed him information that she needs the government to act on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that would be something she would find extremely valuable. Yes, it would. So that would be where... So she wouldn't be trying to change what he does. She would be trying to change what he eventually knows. Yeah. So if she, if she comes across something which is like really grossly illegal or which is really dangerous or which is Grey Goo related or whatever, right... That she would have a buddy she could call and skip all the intermediate steps. Yeah. Okay. Or if she got arrested. True that. Like some some jerk ass sheriff tries to arrest her and she knows where to place her phone call, right? Right. So uh, to go back one question. So like yeah. So uh, he, take, he takes orders, but he has a lot of latitude, and that means like he, he can decide how mm-hmm. to treat her. Mm-hmm. So I have things that I hear about from my associates that you might not normally ordinarily hear about that might be important to your work. And there's verisimilitude here because she was in town, right? Yeah. Looking at the same thing that I was looking at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's interesting. <laughs> he's being, he's would... being annoyingly inscrutable at the moment. Uh, both I... of you please roll a perception check. Who's playing his cards close to his chance? That's totally appropriate. Yeah. Tell me how much you won by. I, I lost by quite a bit. I rolled Excellent. A, I rolled I rolled a fifteen out of actually no, fifteen out of fourteen. Yeah, but he's got a lot on his mind. He's not really thinking about it. I rolled four work. under. Excellent. Um you hear the sound of an approaching drone. Hey, what's that? Which now that you think about it makes a perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Do you uh do you uh show on your face that you hear that or look up for it or whatever? I uh, grab his sleeve and I duck under the vehicle that we're looking at. Okay, Charles. Uh, he, he just like instinctively gets down. Like he doesn't even know what he's getting down. But he's right. he's had plenty of times where somebody just grabs, you know, does the <laughs> get down thing. This makes sense to me. Right. <laughs> he freaking gets down and then thinks, "Why the hell did I just get down?" Like, and and like, you uh, you see that um, Rosalind is looking in, a, in in the direction you know, like to the south uh, east, let's say. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, now that you're looking for it with your much superior senses, you can totally tell there's a, there's a drone approaching. And again, of course, there's a drone approaching, right? Yes. Um, I'm going to do my multi tool. I'm going to turn it into a pair of binoculars or okay. some telescopic mm-hmm. type device. And Absolutely. Do you know exactly what this is? This is a standard military scout drone. Someone just sent something over to keep track of the space. Is it one of ours? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay. Like, so I'm not like freaking out. Of it. No, it, it is exactly what. Like, as soon as you, as soon no, as this I happens, you're like, yeah, Damn. of course, yes. Where I'm going with this, I want to make sure it's people are doing their jobs. Right. I'm legitimately like, is is this our drone and therefore awesome, yes. or someone else's drone and? Hmm. Hmm. Nope. Our drone and awesome. Okay. He's like, it's one of ours. But he stays down. Like, right. Yeah. You would think that if it oh, hey, it's one of ours, he'd, he'd be up there like, you know, hey, he'd hey, over here. He's waving. But he, he does stay down. Yeah. So this is your chance. And, and Rosalind's showing, so as someone with a lot of latitude in your work, it might be valuable to have a source who knows about things that you don't know about other ways. Certainly would. Can I make a deal? I'm listening. I can feed you information about things that I hear about and in exchange I keep on being out here hearing about things I hear about. I think I can work with this. What's your uh and he, and he pauses and he kind of winces like he doesn't want to actually say this. He's like do you have like a Facebook account or a Twitter or something? You totally have like seven Twitter accounts that you use to do various Twitter things. Yes. Of course I do. I make up new Twitter accounts all the time because it's a great anonymous way to he communicate. And you could totally pass him a hashtag that you would use to... Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would have to write it down on a piece of paper since none of our electronics are working. <laughs> but I've got a shit ton of pockets in my pants and I've got a pen and paper. Absolutely. I'm going to go out on a limb and say yeah. that, you, you know, if I were to ask you what your phone number was, it's no longer relevant. Because any... It... Changes, uh. <laughs> and besides, my phone. Besides, my phone's busted right now. That's kind of what I was <laughs> where I was going with this. Yeah, but do you have a phone? Uh, actually, um, I I have the number of our office, um, but that may not be what would be the most prudent thing to call. You have an, you have like three different phone numbers. You have like just like a phone number that like some people know. Yes. You have a phone number that like three people know, right? Right. And you have the phone number where if it goes off, like pick up right away because there may be another nuclear bomb involved. It's the big, the big red phone. Well, the little tiny red phone, yes. But is that is that a phone number I should give out? (laughs) The second one is the one you give out to someone like her. Okay, so where it's like, this is my phone number. Almost nobody knows about it. I will know it's you. Yeah. So that I will, I will, yeah, I'll give that phone number out. Okay. The drone passes. It does not detect you. You wait for it to go, and after a short period of time, you find a truck and drive away. I dig it. And the remainder of this adventure will take place (laughs) between three and seven days later. Because uh, he's going to go back and and find out what the hell happened, and I'm I'm going to I'm going to we're going to do a fill in where like we do an intervening period where like both of you find out what the hell happened with somebody dropping a goddamn technique on Utah, and then some on us. uh, It was not on you, it turns out, but you'll find that out. (laughs) <laughs> and then uh, and some more things about the world will be revealed and then we'll have uh, a second part of the adventure where it will be um, so instead of instead of both of you stumbling across trouble it will totally be Rosalind's fault that you're in trouble Rosalind 
Thank you, that was super awesome. I love your characters so much. That was really I'm fun. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Because yes. I don't, I don't, I don't. Me and Mike are generally having fun, but uh, it's always nice to to make sure that the the ride along loser is also having fun. <laughs> Funny to me because I, I I usually I'm working on these adventures for like two three weeks, like just and, and with the character and everything. Like, okay, this needs to happen, and how do I connect this to this? And I want to make sure this theme gets mentioned, right? right? And then I, mm-hmm. I come back and I, and I we, we do the adventure. I'm like, oh my god! I just decided to nuke Utah. I guess I thought that was a good idea. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it seemed legit. <laughs> what were you thinking, past self? Right, like, I, I like past self tells me like, hey, like this is how we have to advance the plot. This is what happens. And then I like I spring this on you, right? And Joe's like, she is a pet psychic rat. And I'm like, she totally does. This is great. And Robin's like, you just nuked Utah. And I'm like, I totally did. It was awesome. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our 13th episode of Get In Loser, We're Going Adventuring. We're still playing Champion 6th Edition, I promise. Thanks, as always, to Rad Padre for our intro, outro, and interstitials. Thanks also to freesound.org for sounds and tabletop audio for background music. If you have a moment, please review us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. Um, okay, so Robin, how do you like being not a GM and also not a player being run by an 8-year-old GM? <laughs> It's it's less predictable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't get to hit nearly as many things with a broadsword appropriately or inappropriately. <laughs> <laughs> when all you have is a broadsword, all of your problems look like orcs. <laughs> see see the, the, the true answer to that would have been that uh Mike's style is indistinguishable from that of an eight year old. There you go. <laughs> you're, you're gonna have to flag. You're gonna have to flag this one as a, a very special get in loser episode. <laughs> Parental discretion advised. <laughs> we discuss some adult it's, concepts. Like, it's when do you special, tell your eight year old about that tech nukes? It's the special Christmas episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so horrible. In a very special Christmas episode of Get In Loser, Your Santa heart will is glow. eaten by gray and so will lots of other things. Still better than an average episode of Silver Spoons. Oh, <laughs> I was about, you said still, and I was like, still a better love story than Twilight. <laughs> Ramirez is, is like, Team wait. Jacob. That's right. Womp. There was a van. <laughs> There was. Uh, it, it was uh, in, the, in the town, which you are a little ways out from. Which is good. Okay. Yes. But there was. A, that's how she got to town. Same as you. There was a vehicle that you took to get here. It's just you're not currently in it or near it. So, I don't know how that works. Come to think of it, that's actually a big old plot, plot hole, isn't it? Um, Potentially. Yeah. No, it's not well. I, I I've solved the plot hole. There was a van. <laughs> the army took it. Haha! I solved the plot hole. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> The meta story continues. That's it. Woohoo! <laughs> Boy, th- this thing was so believable until we didn't know where the van ended up. <laughs> it's you could drive a van through. Literally. <laughs> this is 
Oh my goodness. It's going to be the Bhutanese equivalent of the borscht belt. We'll just go up there running, doing live podcasts and telling Mormon jokes. I'll edit that out and I will say something else.